I also wanted to, American people to know that their country has done a pretty good job here because we're in the age we're very cynical. Nobody trusts the government to do anything right. Right here, it worked. My guest today is Bill O'Reilly. Bill is the king of all media. His success in broadcasting and publishing is unmatched. As the iconic anchor of the O'Reilly Factor, he led the program to the status of the highest-rated cable news broadcast in the nation for 16 consecutive years. Bill has also co-authored an astonishing 16 number one ranked nonfiction books, including the historical Killing Series, the best-selling nonfiction series of all time with nearly 19 million books in print. His 11th book in the series is Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. Bill writes about America's effort to defeat Al-Qaeda and ISIS worldwide. And with his co-author Martin Dugard, gained access to the top secret national security documents as well as interview the highest national security officials in the United States. The book takes the reader deep inside the global war on terror, which began more than 20 years ago on 9-11. I recently sat down with Bill and we talked about the war on terror that took place over the past 10 years since Osama bin Laden was killed. Bill, thanks so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Anytime, anytime, Charles. You. All right. The name of the book, folks, is Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. This is number what? 16 in your killing series? Uh, no, it is the uh, 11th killing book. I've had 18 number one bestsellers. That breaks the record for any human being. Wow. Nonfiction. Wow. You sold how many, how many? You sold 16 million or so? I saw last number 16 or 18 million. 19 million in print. 19 million books. Well, wow, you truly are the king of all media. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, you know, Thank you. Before we start, Bill, I read the book. It really was captivating. It, I, you know, I thought I knew a lot of this stuff, but it really was just fantastic. Your footnotes, the notes on the side, just absolutely outstanding. What is it that sets your books apart? I think it's, uh, this is the best reporting, Charles, I've ever done in my career. We work very, very hard to find things that readers don't know. Here in Killing the Killers, I was able to talk with security advisors, a bunch of them, all the way back to General Petraeus and the Bush administration, up to the end of the Trump administration. And we closed the book with Afghanistan and the Biden debacle there that led to 13 U.S. service people being killed at the Kabul airport. Most of, most of the stuff killing the killers is classified information. Nobody's heard it. And that's the product of me and the National Security Advisors trusting me with the information to do the right thing, which is inform the American people what their government is doing to protect them. You know, I want to tell you something, Bill. I've read several of your books in the Killing series. And this one, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's, you wrote this with a lot more passion. Well, it's contemporary history. That's the difference. So n people don't know how the war on terror is being fought and, and how we're winning. We're actually winning, winning that war. And, and so when you write about George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, you know, people know a little bit about them, JFA. Um, but here it was a blank slate. Um, people didn't know any of this. So that's what you're, you're feeling, I think, the urgency of our reporting that we didn't know. And then when we found out, we went, what? We went, what? 
and then we put it on the page. So there's a, a more intense feel to the book. Yeah, it, you know, it, it just, it really is a page turner because you want to see how it's going to turn out. You're giving, you're giving a lot of technical military stuff that I never knew before. Uh, it really crazy, uh, the kind of surveillance that we have, the capabilities we have, and the amazing heroism and courage of our armed forces. Special Forces are U.S., best in the world. Um, and the fact that they did these raids, we opened the book, Killing the Killers, with the Bin Laden raid. Everybody thinks they know what happened there. They don't. Uh, and then we go into the go into the Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, and how he got waxed, Soleimani, Boko Haram, troops on the ground in Africa, Special Forces right this minute, right today. We have U.S. Special Forces fighting ISIS in Africa. And those men and women, women are believably courageous, but more importantly, they're so skilled. I don't think the planet has ever seen military units as skilled as America has. You know, absolutely amazing. And, you know, we've, we've had some Navy SEALs on the podcast, and these guys are just are cut above the rest. But, uh, um, um, you know, this is all our armed forces, the, the, um, the, um, the Rangers, uh, the Navy SEALs, and wherever they are, just tremendous odds against them and uh, they go in there with the best technical equipment, best training and an attitude of getting the job done. There's no doubt about it. And um, the turning point on the war on terror was the Treaty Act, which was signed six weeks after the attack of 9-11, which allowed special forces and uh, U.S. technology to basically attack terrorists anywhere on the, on the planet. It's not a matter of come out with your hands up anymore. It's if they find you, they kill you. Right, right. Um, and that that's what the Patriot Act did. Now, before we even start, you dedicated the book. I'm going to read the dedication. This book is dedicated to the Kalia family, Kalia family of Manhasset, New York, who suffered grievously after the 9-11 attack. You want to expand on that for us? Yeah, I mean, these are friends of mine, uh, and there were two brother brothers, uh, the Kaleo brothers working in the World Trade Center, both killed. Um, they had wives and children, moms, dads, sisters and brothers. And you lose two in one day with all of those people uh, loving them. It's a tragedy beyond description. I didn't have the words. So I decided to dedicate, to dedicate them to basically alert the American people of the damage these evil people do to us. And that what you read and what happens to these evil people is well-deserved. It's justified. Yeah. You know, I want to get to uh, Soleimani, at, Soleimani at the end uh, where, the, where the press, the CNN and others, they just, you know, I remember just being infuriated how they, how neutral they were on this. In some cases, they were, they made it seem like an innocent was being killed. It was just absolutely staggering. You cover it great in the book. But before we even get into that, you open up the book, first off, with the Osama bin Laden raid. And you give us some insights there. What did you find that was new, different, that no one ever spoke about? I have a few things, but I just want to hear it from you about this raid. Well, the men in the compound, including bin Laden himself, were cowards. And it's women who fought the hardest against the special forces, the U.S. special forces that came into the compound. And we wanted to get across how intense this firefight was. We wanted to put the reader right in the compound, which is what we do in all the killing books. We put you there. 
So you're experiencing the tension and the violence that's happening. But Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden uh, the architect of killing tens of thousands of people himself, was a coward. He hid behind his wife. And uh, when you see step by step how the special forces got to the compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan, how one of the heli helicopters crashed had to be destroyed, uh, how the forces got into the compound, what they did step by step, room by room. I mean, I think it's like a, you can put that down when you start reading it, which is why we put it up top of the book. Oh, no, you start sweating. You look at that and you say, wow, you know, you, you, your heart starts uh, palpitating because uh, they're walking in there with the dogs and with, with the one dog. And it, it, it looks like a failure from the start. There's a, you know, first you think back 79 with, with uh, Carter's failed attempt at rescuing the hostages with the, with the uh, helicopter crashing and these guys just come through. Yeah, well, it's a totally different armed forces now than it was back in the Carter era. Era. Um, now we obviously uh, have technical malfunctions, things like that. They're always, always going to happen, but they plan for everything. I mean, it's like okay, this happens, then we do this. That's exactly what happened on a Bin Laden raid. When the chopper went down, all the soldiers got out, and nobody was hurt. But then they already knew what to do. It was carry on, and that's what they did. Yeah, amazing. Okay, so we we finish with uh, with Osama bin Laden. We think we know the story, but we it seems that we we got our men. Excellent. We move on. Then you open up in the second chapter, third part, second part of the book. Not even second part. I think it was the second chapter about uh, Caleb Mueller and uh, Mueller and uh, James Foley. Tragic, tragic uh, situation. I don't think I've ever read. Uh, how abused she was and what happened. You want to just right. give us some insight into that? That That's new stuff, am I right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, look, Kayla Mother's uh, parents cooperated with us. Uh, they live in Phoenix. Phoenix. Um, their daughter, 26-year-old uh, humanitarian from Arizona, goes to Turkey to work with the refugees there, makes a mistake and crosses into Iraq with her boyfriend to visit a Doctors Without Borders clinic. ISIS kidnaps her. Al-Baghdad daddy uses her, rapes her, and ultimately orders her murder. In the interim, uh, ISIS emails the Mueller family in Arizona, demanding millions of dollars in ransom and actually taunting them. So we were the first journalists to get access to that email chain. It's horrifying, sickening. Um, and the U.S. government could not get Kayla, Kayla not the fault of anybody, uh, just didn't happen, uh, and she is murdered. And then the urgency becomes even greater to get al-Baghdadi himself, and how the American government did get him is happening because we did use enhanced interrogation methods. Now, when I say we, the Americans could, couldn't do it because it's against the law. After Abu Ghraib, there were laws passed that U.S. citizens cannot use torture in any way. But we farm that out. And in this case, we gave it to the Iraqis to break down this courier, this courier, this courier that was captured. And he gave up Baghdadi. Right. It's an amazing chain of events. And you'll see it step by step. And again, nobody knows any of this. So let me ask you a question, Bill. Uh, well, James Foley, first of all, James Foley is another, um, he's a journalist. I sure. Think. He, James is, is a journalist, right? Uh, yeah, Boston journalist. guy. Yeah. And he and he's kidnapped um, like uh, a, a number of them, were, and he's executed. 
uh, and he and Kayla cross paths in the confinement. And there was really no reason for these ISIS criminals to do this. They didn't have to do this. They didn't get anywhere where daddy got killed sooner probably than he would have because of what he did to Kayla. So it just, you know, evil is evil and, and you can't really explain it. So uh, I, I didn't know this, but they were they did, they wanted a ransom. Other countries pay ransom uh, in discreet ways. Uh, they get the money moved around from different countries. And here the Mueller family was uh, uh, was being offered the possibility to to rescue her. The Obama administration said, "No way, we're not dealing with this." And I think at the time it was criminal. Uh, it was a it was federal offense to pay even from personal funds still it still is yeah still yeah americans can't pay uh the american government cannot negotiate a ransom with terrorists but uh, the Mueller family was caught because even if they got they got them which was almost impossible it was like 20 million or it changed um there was no guarantee that kayla was ever going to be released so the danes uh, in Copenhagen, they were able to get a couple of people out of there, but it was a case-by-case -case basis. Now, the FBI made it clear to us, uh, Dugard and my co-author, Martin Dugard and me, that they're not going to prosecute it. Prosecute it goes to a third country, any American, and, and pays grants. American government will not do that. But the government itself can't do it. Um, but even if the Mullers had raised the money, which it would have been almost impossible, uh, at the time, now we now we have internet and the GoFundMe is a little more feasible to pay the money, and then there's no guarantee you're going to get Kayla anybody else back. How do you think? You know, you're pretty critical of the Obama administration and how they dealt with this. Uh, their sensitivity—it didn't seem to be much sensitivity uh, to the family, uh, not meeting with them, not speaking with them. I believe. Uh, um, yeah, ultimately, ultimately, Obama did meet with the Mullers, but it took a while. And they, of course, wanted their meeting quickly because their daughter was in dire danger. Now, the bureaucracy at the White House is very, very intense. Barack Obama changed his mind about terrorism six years into his two terms because ISIS embarrassed him so much in Iraq by taking over half the country after Obama pulled all American troops out of there. Obama took that personally and kind of changed, um, particularly in the use of drones and, and other weaponry. Um, but it was too late for uh, for Kayla. Yeah, and and they never found her body. Her body was never, never found. Her body. Uh, tragic, tragic. Uh, you know, you write something here, and I just want to read this because I don't think it. Uh, if, if summarizing, it doesn't do it justice. Uh, France, November thirteenth, twenty fifteen. You write. Nearly one million Islamists around the world marched in support of those who killed the Charlie Hebdo employees. And militant groups such as Al-Qaeda, Boko Haram, and Taliban all praised the dead terrorists who committed the murders. In fact, more than three quarters of Muslim students in the volatile Sien Saint Denis district have voiced allegiance to the killers. I'll drop you with a Kalishnikov, mate. One student informs a teacher trying to enforce a moment of silence, referencing the AK-47 assault rifle used by most jihadists. This is in France. Sure. Um, the militant Islamists, and I would say 
15, 20% are in that category. They're usually educated in the madrasas. They hate infidels. Uh, they don't think their uh, lives are worth anything. If you kill them, they're fine with it. But it's not the majority of Muslims. It's Muslims. It's 10 or 20% of them. But that's enough to be ultra dangerous and to give support to ISIS and Al-Qaeda, Boko Haram, and they do. And it, you know, it persists to this day. So what is, what is the West not getting, which seems so obvious? Well, there's nothing, it's nothing you can get. I mean, it's like evil, evil is evil, and you have to destroy it if you can, and we can. Now, you can apply that to Putin. You know, if we... If Putin didn't have a nuclear arms uh, arsenal, he would have been months ago. We would have vaporized him from uh, space. But he does have nukes, and we can't do it because of the retaliation. Um, but the jihadists don't have that capacity, at least not yet. you got to keep an eye on Iran. On Iran. Um, so we find them, we wax them. But it, it seems to me that, you know, as the as the book progresses and you talk about uh, the the um, the latest um, um, assassination of um, Soleimani at what was it 2020, I believe it was. Was that about? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That uh, CNN, MSNBC were pretty much against it. Could you just give us a little yeah, background? Because Trump did it. It was all about it was always a Trump play with them. It was never anything more. They didn't know who Soleimani was. They didn't care. They don't care about what Iran does. If Trump did it, it was bad. Come on, Charles, you know that. Yeah. Whatever Trump did was bad. Was bad. We, he did nothing good, ever. That's the corruption level that we deal with in America with our press. So Trump um, was the most effective of all the presidents involved with the war on terror because he basically allowed the CIA and the NSA, National Security Agency, to do what they had to do. Now, he had to sign off on it. So Trump knew that Soleimani was in uh, working in the Iranian government. He knew that Iran might, you know, re uh, retaliate. But Trump said, get him. But and they got him. Yeah, that was a big now, risk. Iran didn't, didn't retaliate because they feared Trump. Right. They feared what Trump would do to them. And he would have. He had orders all drawn up. That if Iraq does, uh, Iran does anything after this assassination of Soleimani, then we're going to wipe out all their airfields and ports, which would have happened in a day. So the Iranians, the mullahs who run that country, they know that, which is why they want the nuclear weapon, which is why they're hell-bent on getting it, because they feel that that would give them the ability to retaliate. Right. So you end the book uh, with uh, Afghanistan, the withdrawal out of withdrawal, the, the the retreat out of Afghanistan last summer, August or so. Right. Um, what impact? Well, you're pretty plugged in. What what impact? What are you seeing or what are you hearing uh, from our actions from what President Biden did last August? What do you? How do you see that playing out in the near future? Well, it's an excellent question you're asking, Charles. Charles, his action was A, irresponsible, and B, borders on insane. And now we see, you know, how he's running the economy, and it all comes together. It didn't come together back last August 
when he still had some credibility, he doesn't have any, have any now. You don't know that this man is incompetent, then you're not really a rational thinking human being. This is, this is a, a really an inefficient president. So he frees a thousand hardcore jihadists from Bagram Air Force Base prison. Just lets them out. Didn't have to. Could have moved those people uh, into other areas of the world. Could have done it in an orderly way. Gives them a get out of jail free. What does it take? 48 hours for one of them to come into Kabul and set off a bomb, bomb and kill team print? Well, I mean, you tell me how irresponsible that was. And then, because he's embarrassed, Biden looks like an idiot, uh, they whack some civilians, Afghan civilians, who had nothing to do with terrorism. Right, right. They killed them. Total mistake. The U.S. killed them. Yep. For no reason. <laughs> because they botched it. So, I, I look, people say, Biden, you know, are we in more danger now than we were under Trump? The answer is overseas we are not, because the same people that work for Trump are still working for the U.S. government, CIA, NSA. Open border, that puts all Americans in grave danger. And that's another, another story the mainstream corrupt media suppresses that the terrorists can easily get into the United States on our soil now, right. much easier now than it was under Trump. The problem for the terrorists is they can't use the phone, <laughs> the phone right here. You can't use the phone because everything that goes into certain precincts overseas is surveilled by U.S., so they, they, there's no command and control them back like there was a 9-11 to direct these guys in Boston what to do. Can't do that anymore. But they're here. So, Bill, you could have wrote on a zillion other subjects. What did you want the American reader to feel, to respond, to act after they read this book? Well, you have to confront evil. That's the main theme of the book. Can't look away, can't ignore it, can't rationalize it. You have to confront it. And I also wanted to, American people to know that their country has done a pretty good job here. Because we're in the age, we're very cynical. Nobody trusts the government to do anything right. Right Here, it worked. And our weapons are unbelievable. Our surveillance is incredible. Our leadership is bad. Right now, that'll change. I'm confident it'll change. But I wanted to, Americans to see the whole story and what's been doing uh, in their name to protect them because we don't know. Or before killing the killers, we didn't know. Now we do. No, no you, you, you not only uh, describe it in narrative format, you also talk about the weapons that we have. I was just amazed. at uh, you. I think you mentioned one of the drones three miles high can read the name of a golf ball. Was that about right? right? Did I get that right? With yep. that they knew they can they can read title list on a golf ball from three miles up and up into space. <laughs> Come on, where they got Salamani? That was just absolutely absolutely staggering. Yeah. So, folks, the name of the book is "Killing the Killers: The Secret War Against Terrorists." Uh, another amazing success in Bill O'Reilly's Killing series, and I guess you're not stopping, right? You're writing more of these things. 
right? We got two more to come. We got one in the fall uh, because this book, Killers, was supposed to be out last year. COVID delayed it. And then we have one more to do on the contract. All right. So there's at least two more shows you got to do with me, Bill. You know, I love talking to you. You read the book and you know what you're talking about. And it's very nice to be on with you. Oh, like, folks, go ahead and get this book. As just an American to see how our government is protecting us and the amazing courage, uh, skill and heroism that our armed forces uh, display is unparalleled anywhere in the world. So if you're ever pissed off about your tax dollars, uh, you can get a better return than uh, what, what these people are doing for our safety. I guess you'd agree with that, Bill, right? There's nothing to say about that. Yes, I would. I, I want Americans to be reassured on this front. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Bill. Continued success, and I look forward to having you back. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Charles Mizrahi Show. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, we're glad to have you back. Either way, we'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also see the video of the interview on The Charles Mizrahi Show channel on YouTube.